Hey guys, so trust everybody's well. Um, apolo- oh, I was about to say apologies. I don't even know why. Um, apologies for, I mean, I always seem to be apologizing at the minute for lack of podcasts, so um, maybe I just need to pull my finger out. Um, but yeah, look, apologies for lack of podcasts. Um, I wish I had a good excuse. Hold on. But truth be told, I don't. And oh yeah, I do have an excuse. I'm training for the Olympics. That can be my excuse. Um, but listen, look. To be honest, um, things are going really well. Um, I'm in a I'm in a good place. I'm getting a little bit like um, itchy feet, I suppose you could say. That's kind of what I call it when. When I get this sort of place where, um, you know, I'm considering going back the altitude and um, I'm spending more time on the American Airlines website um, looking up flights, I, I, I sort of call that um, itchy feet time because, I mean, it, you know, it sort of speaks for itself. I'm, I'm just getting to the point where um, I guess I get nervous and I'm not really sure about, you know, am I building the same level of fitness um at sea level and and all these kind of things and um i think that's perfectly normal natural to have those sort of worries and concerns and and actually i'm i'm actually very fit um so if i compare i guess 10 weeks to go to london marathon my fitness at this stage with 10 weeks to go to you know the olympic marathon i i'm in a I'm in a much more solid and all-round place with all with all things considered. You know, I guess you, you can think of running very much in terms of what marathon pace could I sustain today for a marathon versus, you know, 10 weeks to go to London, what marathon pace could I sustain then? Or you could look at it as if I were to race uh 10k right now what would i run versus if i were to race a 10k now you know i don't know why i'm making this really complicated compared with 10 weeks ago before london or you know the olympic marathon so look all i'm trying to say is i'm in a i'm in a i'm in a pretty good place i'm way ahead of you know where i would have been like i said this time before um, the Olympic Marathon or the London Marathon, and that that's what I'm kind of using as a gauge. And the reason I'm doing that is, you know, it's it's pretty simple. Like before, you know, London, London being my my biggest and best marathon to date. Well, that sets the standard, right? So that's the new standard. That's what you compare things to. When I'm drawing up the program, the training, and I'm looking at the training, I'm saying to myself, will this training block build better or more specific fitness than, you know, the training block that we did before London Marathon, which created X result? And that's, that's generally speaking how I go about making these plans and stuff. And so, Bear in mind, before London, I really wasn't into the gym stuff that much. Um, so, so there's a lot of things, there's a lot of areas right now that are ahead. And that's, 
remember that fitness isn't just marathon pace. It isn't just 10K. It's it's speed. It's it's strength. It's it's knowledge. It's fueling. It's nutrition. There's there's so many areas. If you're gonna really look at where am I at with 10 weeks to go, you have to look at your health. You have to look at body condition. You have to look at psychology and. And so many things right now as it stands, and I don't want to jinx myself, but so many things with 10 weeks to go are in a better place than, you know, what they would have been with 10 weeks to go um, to London. And so, you know, that's that's super, super important to me. Um, you know, I've I've the mental health side of things um, the physical side of things, body condition, everything's in. My car is just toying with me. And um, let me see when I put it on the charger. Is it going to be okay? Yep, looks like it's going to be okay. So um, can't promise that. <laughs> it sort of says that I'm calling myself. That's really interesting. Um, anyway, I can't promise that this podcast will work um, because I'm recording it in the car. I think it's using the car speakers rather than the headphones let me check that yep nope looks like we are yeah it looks like we're using the car um bluetooth speaker so that's absolutely fine this actually might work better and be safer and all those good things so look things are in a good place um it's it's important when you you know there's a lot of things i talk about that i'm not even sure um, you know, listeners will, you know, have a think about themselves. But when you're, when you're trying to train for a marathon, there's a lot of things goes into it. And so you have to think about, um, like I just talked about, like mental health, which is health and happiness, motivation for training, body condition, which is physical shape. Um, is there any injuries? Is there any niggles? Um, and these are the kind of things with 10 weeks to go, um, you really don't want to have issues. And if you're really going to commit the marathon program, it's it's very difficult if, you know, you know that your foot's been bothering you. You know that your hamstring's been bothering you. You know that your quad's been bothering you. And, I mean, I think it speaks for itself, but what you, what you don't need is, you know, to finish your, your first of, four long runs and you know you finish the long run and your hamstrings in a bad way and and it just it's just going to fuck with you it's going to fuck with you physically which is going to hinder your training and and the more important area that it's going to fuck with is just your psychology and you're going to feel like you're bouncing from session to session and you're going to kind of you're going to have that feeling that you're walking on thin ice and the problem with that, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to talk you out of training for a marathon if you have a bit of a niggle, but it's just, it's just very difficult to expect a big result if that's how the build-up is going to go. You know, session to session, concerned that that might be your last one, concerned that you might not recover. You know, the whole run, not necessarily enjoying it because you're worried about something. I think we don't realize how much of a marathon build-up is actually for the mind 
and is actually getting the getting the brain in a good enough place that for 26.2 miles it's going to be able to sustain an intensity and an effort and a speed that hopefully it's never ever sustained before um and i think with experience more and more i'm learning that that's one of the biggest components of the build up so it's building the mind to be able to believe that it's capable of doing something that as of right now it's never been capable of doing before but also building the fitness and the durability and and the resilience and all these things and the mental concentration this is all happening in your 10 week to 12 week build up whatever you whatever you do for a marathon and um and and yeah so i prioritize different things now um you know i i my my mind's in a really good place my my body physically is in a really good place and and that's not that's not luck i'm i'm literally on my way to the gym and the gym is where a lot of the boring and basic stuff gets done that keeps the body in a good place you know i i have physio twice a week i get massage twice a week all these things none of this is luck you know you, i've made time i've prioritized these priorities and and because of those priorities because the time that i've dedicated that keeps the body and the mind in a good place because of that dedication because of that commitment um i also just know how destructive it can be race week two weeks to go before a race even a month before a race to have a little bit of a nagging injury that's holding you back that's preventing you from really pulling the best out of yourself both physically and and um psychologically and so another part of that commitment to being healthy is actually training less um which you know uh, can sound lazy can sound um not willing to you know there's this there's this idea in running that you know you should really you know go hammers and tongs and and talking about itchy feet this this happens to me all the time i read like paul turgat's book i maybe read training online i maybe read about gillen ruff doing 120 mile a week and you know i look at my 85 to 90 and you know sometimes it can feel a little bit mediocre i'm actually taking an easy week right now so there's going to be an athlete in ethiopia in fact there's probably going to be 500 athletes in ethiopia that this week might run double the mileage that i run you know they might run 140 they might run 130 this week i might run 65 to 70 but it's it's actually harder believe it or not to do less you know less it's it's easier physically of course it is like i'm not you know um i don't know what the word to be thick um i know it's easier physically because you don't have to go and do it but psychologically it's actually really tough for me to take an easy week and psychologically i'm i'm constantly um reading and thinking and and analyzing and thinking oh what if i did do 120 like you know maybe i'd be an olympic medalist what if i did do but the the problem is and the risk with that is in 
Um, and, and this to me says it all. In 2016, I did my first ever 100 mile week. And then I did, you know, 104. And then I did 108. And, and this is before my marathon training had even begun. And then I start the marathon training and I do 112, 118, 122, you know, right up to 132 miles in a week. And a week later, I tear my quad. And like, to me, to me, that just summarizes, you know, I was, I was really, really fit. You know, you're going to be, you're running 110 to 130 mile a week for probably about eight weeks. So the fitness was at a at a whole new level for me back then. I, I was in a great place. Um, but at the end of the day, within the space of a day, I went from being really, really fit, in a great place. In, in my opinion, and bear in mind, this is only my opinion, and you can, you know, take this for what it's worth. You, you, like... I like to think by now you trust that I don't just talk shit and, you know, I, I back up a lot of things I say. But I but back then, knowing what I know now about marathon and fitness and, and times and roughly what sort of results I can produce, um, I believe I was probably in about two, 212 to 213 shape. Um, and within the space of a day, you know, tear my quad London Marathon is all of a sudden like three weeks away, or I think it was two and a half weeks away, and I'm nervous as shit about the quad. All of a sudden, the Olympics went from like I believed. I think I think I needed to break two fourteen forty five or two fifteen. You know, the next fastest person for the Olympics was two fifteen. I think um, it was like Michael Hesse, Paul Pollock, Kevin Seward, and they were all around that two fifteen. Now. The, the training camp that I had done involved mad things, you know, 20K run in the morning, 20K run that night. The last 10K of both of those runs was sub 30. Um, and bear in mind, this is before shoe technology and, and all this kind of thing. This was, this was fitness at its highest level. And within a day, that torn quad ripped those dreams, ripped the Olympic dreams up. I wasted six grand on a training camp to Australia and all the rest of it. And and that's how quickly this can change. Like in a day, you know, one day. That's all it takes. It takes now you've the mistakes aren't made in one day. And there's nothing wrong with mileage. What was what was wrong in twenty sixteen was I didn't do any gym work, I wasn't getting any physio, I wasn't replacing the shoes I was wearing. And so I was probably running big mileage. I got really, really fit, so I was able to push pretty damn hard. Um, I remember, not that I use the podcast much for, like, boasting or anything like that, but or maybe I do. I don't really know. I don't mean to. Um, I remember doing 7 times 2 k on the track. This is about four days before the, the torn quad, and I do 7 times 2 k and I start at, like, 6.20, right? 30 seconds recovery. 6.15, 30 seconds recovery. 6.10, and I do seven, and I think I go all the way down to like 5.50 or 5.45, okay? And then I do two laps jog. It takes me about four or five minutes, and then I have to do a K as fast as I can. One kilometer, 
as fast as I can. Now, I had this idea in my head that if I could run this K in like under 2.30, which is really fast for a K, I had this idea that if I do this K sub 2.30, Nick Badu, who was coaching me at the time, would let me race on the track. And he would say, Scully, you don't need to do London Marathon. You should race on the track. I think I ran 2.33, right? And that's probably the day that I do the damage, most of the damage to the quad. I don't feel it yet that day, but I probably just pushed too hard and I'm not doing any S&C, I'm not doing any rehab stuff, I'm not doing pre-activation stuff before I go run. My nutrition was probably shite. And so there's definitely a line within running that to get consistent good results, so to get consistent good results that are achievable by your body, your mind, etc., etc., there has to be an air of caution and an air of patience. Okay? So why I've probably ran a one minute to two minute PB every year for the last four or five years and my performances in big marathons has gradually got better and better and we know that I haven't always been blessed with the, the best weather or or things like this but because I've learned how to manage training in a way that it's kind of like there's a saying of cost versus effect right there isn't 10 Stephen Scullions if there was 10 Stephen Scullions, one of them would run 120 mile a week, one of them would run 140, one of them might say fuck it and try to run 180, and then the other five, who would be the banker, they would run 90 to 95, and they would consistently sit at 90 to 95, and all you would probably change amongst those five is the amount of speed work, marathon type work, hilly runs, etc., etc. okay? The five that you're banking on being at the Olympics, on the start line, healthy, excited, mentally ready, physically ready, they're your bankers. Now, with the other five that are doing training that has high risk, those are the ones that you're saying, fuck, if this works out, wow, you know, that Stephen Scullion could be absolutely fucking flying, okay? But the, the problem is, if the risk is really high, you risk not being on the start line at all. And it's a bit like when I say, I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore, because if I have zero, the risk of me having too much is zero, right? Now... Okay, it's probably not zero, because there's still a chance that you might go pick a drink up, but it's really fucking low. Now, if you have two or three, and we call that moderation, the risk of having too many, it, it probably instantly increases to about 50%. So that's like saying, if you don't do any training at all, zero, the risk of getting injured is obviously going to be really fucking low. But... The chances of running well at Olympic Games if you do zero training is really fucking low, right? So 
we have basically learnt, me with all the people that helped me and all the people around me, we have learnt an amount of training. I think um, I think we worked out that my 10 weeks before London Marathon, I averaged 75 mile a week. No extra cross training, there was no biking because this was all in Font Rameau and then back in London, so no biking, 75 mile a week average, the highest week was about 95 and the longest long run was 20 and there was gym work and, and you know stuff like that, but like I say, no cross training. So, it, it seems logical that if you can handle 80 to 85, which is 5 to 10 mile a week more than you did for London, you can stay healthy, you can stay consistent, you know, you can stay in a good place mentally, you can stay in a good place physically. The chances at the Olympics of you being healthy, being happy, running better than you did in London is pretty fucking high. But once you start asking for more than that, right? Anyone that fucking reads Paul Turgat's book, <laughs> I think the op- in the opening chapter or two chapters in, you've already read that he was doing fucking 280 kilometers a week or something or, you know, 240. And, and, and it's hard for me to read that because it makes me feel lazy. It makes me feel like, shit, maybe I could be a medalist if I just basically pulled the fucking finger out and put more effort in. But actually, that's the that's the curse of running. I'm not lazy, and it's harder to do less. I promise you. Like having the courage, and the discipline, and the patience to say no. I'm prioritizing being healthy. I'm prioritizing making it to the start line because I I owe it to myself. I owe it to Ireland. I owe it to the people that follow me to be healthy, to be at least able to give it a fucking go, right? And and that is super, super important. And so the next 10 weeks isn't, um, it's really funny, right? Back in 2016, that's the hardest I've ever trained. Um, and I always thought I'm going to save that build up for the Olympics. You know, when the Olympics comes around, that's when I'm going to do that build up. That's when I'm going to go back to those 120 mile weeks that's when I'm going to, you know, really up the ante and, and really put the work in. But now that we're actually there, I'm not going to do that. And, and it, I still would have to fight with my own psychology to decide whether that's lazy or whether it's not. But it's actually just intelligence. It's just learning through years and years of experience, through practice, to not be fucking injured on that start line. That's the only thing you don't want to be, right? There's, I'd take, I would literally take four weeks of training. Like literally, I mean, in the final 12 weeks, four weeks of training to be fully healthy on that start line versus all 12 weeks and being injured. You know, carrying a hamstring problem, carrying a calf problem, because it is psychological warfare. I mean psychological fucking warfare. When you're carrying a niggle through the training build-up on the start line, it is a—it's fucking hard. It's really hard, and I've had to—I've had to do that too many times. And you know, the end result doesn't quite work out the way you wanted it to. And it's a lot—a lot of it's stress, a stress that you bring on yourself. Um, but look, that's—that's that's in a nutshell what the next lot of weeks are about. Um, sticking to the basics, right? Not getting carried away in the gym. 
not getting carried away on the track, not getting carried away. Today I did um, four mile on the treadmill at 20 kilometers an hour. Um, simple stuff. This is an easier week, you know. I'm, I'm, again, we're in a good place. So, you know, if you're in a good place with 11 weeks to go, I think it's the best time to take a bit of an easier week, take a bit of a step back. Um, that's probably half a tempo or, you know, yeah, it's probably half a tempo because last week I was doing 40 minutes at 20 kilometers an hour. So, um, yeah, that's, as I say, it's probably half a tempo. Um, and, and yeah, like it'll, it'll, I'll start doing more. I'll start doing, um, I think at the end of this week, I'll do some mile reps. I'm doing a lot of work around that 20 K an hour. Um, the reason being is because that, that is 206 pace. Um, it's ambitious. It's, it's very ambitious. Um, but at the end of the day, if I'm not trying to run like 206, if I'm not trying to, you know, push, push my limits, so to speak, and, and start running faster and start trying to be competitive, you know, I'm, I'm a contracted athlete. I'm a professional. I have every, fucking element of support that I could ever need there's there's alter G's there's underwater treadmills there's there's gym there's I have everything I need at my disposal to really push forward and and you know get competitive get up amongst those guys up front um, and so that's what we're doing it's, it's getting the body used to running those kind of paces around 206 um, but also what you do is you condition it and the the relative effort or perceived effort certainly comes down. I keep a little eye on the likes of the lactates and things like that. But, you know, I kind of got to a place where I've never once on race day taken a lactate. Not at the end, not in the middle, etc., etc. So as far as I'm concerned, we have no fucking clue what lactic I can handle in a race. And I, in this regard... I don't give a fuck about sports science. I don't care what sports science says. Sports science doesn't know me. Sports science doesn't know what my body can handle. There's there's rough guides. There's rough figures out there that tell you you can do this for a marathon. You can do that for a marathon. Um, I know what heart rates I can sustain roughly for a marathon. And I know relative effort. You know, I'm experienced enough that I know. And I, I can tell you now... The 20k an hour, which is 206 pace, I'm not there yet, but I can see it, right? When I'm running at that sort of pace, it feels comfortable enough. I'm not overstriding. I'm in a nice cadence. I'm in a nice rhythm. And I say to myself, I can see it. I can picture myself getting there. And obviously, I'm going to uh, none of the stuff at the minute that I'm doing. I'm never fresh. You know, I've always done gym. I've always done hilly runs. I've done heat chamber. So I'm never fresh. But I can still get a sense that, you know what, I'm not that far away from being able to sustain that. Um, but look, I hope you picked up something useful from today. Um, you know, drop the fucking gung-ho. Drop that mentality of, um, I'm just going to go head over heels, dive into this next preparation and, and hope for a really big day. No, add about 10 to 15% to what you were doing before that got you to a start line healthy. And then not only add, not just add that 10 to 15%, add in the rehab, you know, make your plan fucking bulletproof. Make it bulletproof and then stick to it. Be really fucking patient with it. And then just reap the rewards on race day. Enjoy it. 
get your PB, come home, sort your fucking recovery out, add another 10 to 15% on, add more rehab, add smarter rehab, add physio, and then go get another PB in the next sort of four or five months. It's that simple. It's just, it's just we don't have the patience and the time. Well, we think we don't have the patience and the time, and we're always looking for quick fixes. But sadly, most quick fixes just end in, in tears and, and, and drama and disaster. So, look, I'm leaving you there. Um, I, I hope this worked. Um, I, I think it did because um, my car still says it's calling me. But um, fingers crossed it worked. And, and you know, you get to enjoy that podcast. Bye-bye.